Our text this morning is that Magnificat, that praise song that Mary sings praises to Jesus. And usually we have this text in an Advent-type setting where we are preparing and getting our hearts ready for Jesus' birth. And so it seems a little bit odd in this setting. But I think as we dig into the generational thoughts that are contained within this text, it will make much more sense. Last week, we talked about our hearts being awakened by God, which assumes that our hearts might just be a little on the sleepy side from time to time. That's a good idea that that we remember our baptisms daily, that God daily awakens us to the life that he would have us live, the mission that he would have us working towards. And it is God who does the waking up. It's, It's the Holy Spirit who stirs in our hearts and stirs us awake. And he calls us awake for a mission. And that mission is awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. Awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. It's not that we have reinvented the Great Commission, but rather this is how in this time and in this place, in this setting with these people, we are specifically living out that Great Commission. This week, we talk about every generation. Now in this song that Mary sings her praises to God, there are three verses that really highlight this generational thought that I want to spend a little bit of time with today, and it has three things to teach us about every generation. That God seeks the heart of every generation. Second, that every generation has a mission and a place to play in in the kingdom of God. And then finally, there's this idea of a generational legacy that I want to share with you today. Just to set the context a little bit for our text this morning, at the very beginning of Luke, we have the birth of John the Baptist foretold, and then we have the birth of Jesus foretold, and then Mary, pregnant Mary, visits her pregnant relative Elizabeth, and while these two are together, John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth leaps for joy because he realizes and recognizes that he is in the presence of Jesus, the Messiah. And Elizabeth calls Mary blessed for believing that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken, that the Messiah would be born to her. And then Mary magnifies the Lord with this psalm. God seeks the heart of every generation. Verse 49b says, 48b says this, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. This text starts with this Greek phrase, kai adu, which means behold. And it's this kind of word and and, and phrase that is an attention-grabbing device. It says, what you are about to hear, behold, what you are about to hear is exceedingly important. I don't want you to miss it. For behold. Now, to be blessed in Scripture means that your, your heart is full. You have all that you need. God has been so incredibly gracious to supply an abundance. And she is completely and totally satisfied. 
Mary calls this conception of Jesus within her uh, a great thing that's been done for her. In all generations, this is very, very inclusive. This is all generations. We think about generations that came before Mary, that the promise and the covenant was given to all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, that God would send the Messiah to save his people from sin. So all generations before Jesus and all generations after, every single generation is included in God's pursuit of their hearts, of love, of salvation. Every generation. All generations will know Jesus as their Savior. Adam, his son Seth, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my grandfather, my father, and me. God is after every generation. You see, every generation has incredible value to God. Every generation that, that follows after Jesus longs for their children to follow after Jesus as well. People in every generation are in need of God. And every generation has a mission. So God is after the hearts of every generation, and every generation takes part in the mission of God. Verse 50, Mary says this, and his mercy, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Remember, mercy is God not treating us as we deserve, because as we deserve, we are born sinful. As we confess this morning, I, a poor, miserable sinner. We sin constantly. And the wages of sin is death by God's righteousness demands perfection in us. And when we fail, when we fall short, what we deserve is God's condemnation. But out of his mercy, he longs not to share that judgment with us, but rather sent his only son to suffer and die in our place to make that life-death payment for sin. Paid in full so that God can be merciful to us by treating us better than we deserve, not treating us as we deserve. Mercy, Mary says, is for those who fear God. Now, sometimes we get a little bit tied up with this. Well, what does it mean to really fear God? And we maybe shy away from the, the law-sounding piece of this, that God is great. He is mighty. He he deserves, he deserves punishment towards us, but out of his mercy, he shares that with his son. But we sometimes forget that we are indeed sinful. And in the presence of our perfect almighty God, we should tremble. But we rely on his grace and his mercy. And fearing God is also about recognizing how great, how mighty, how majestic how powerful he is, that we do not have a small God, that our God is great and mighty and powerful. This sense of awe and wonder that we have that God chooses not to destroy us, but chooses to be merciful to us. I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis and his Chronicles of Narnia. 
And one of, my, one of my favorite lines in all of these works is in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And, and Lucy, one little girl who is, is exploring this realm of Narnia, this kingdom of God, if you will, is wondering about this lion Aslan. And Aslan is this Christ figure. But he's a lion. He's great and mighty and powerful. And, and Lucy asks this question. Aslan is a lion? Is he safe and there's a beaver and of course he can talk because animals can talk in Narnia and he says of course he's not safe but he is good this fear of God that we have we share it from generation to generation see what parents do is what children were most likely do Lots of research shows that parents are the number one influencer in their child's development of their faith. See, generations connect God's covenant to us, right? All the way back to, to Abram, whom God renamed Abraham in our Old Testament text today, as he passed it to his sons and their sons and their sons. And in faith, we have received that and connected to God's covenant to save the world through generations. Generations connect God's covenant with Abraham to all of us. Generations are the beginnings of the gospel of Matthew. All of the different descendants that led to Jesus. Chapter 3 of Luke. See, without generations, there is no continuation of the covenant. Every generation must be engaged with the mission of God to make disciples every generation. See, there's no age grouping at St. Luke's that is more important than any other age group. Every single generation at St. Luke's Lutheran Church and School is incredibly, vitally important. From the youngest children who come and attend the preschool, who go home sharing the story of Jesus and the, and the songs that they've learned witnessing to their parents, to the individuals in the nursing home, who are devout prayer warriors lifting up people who are in need, witnessing to those in their own rooms. Every generation. Now last week I reminded the listeners in Fuel that the mission of the church, the great mission of the church, when Jesus spoke his last words before ascending, he said, go to church. No, he didn't. He said, go and make disciples. That's the mission of the church. If, if you think the mission of the church is to come here on Sunday mornings and that's the mission fulfilled, then you're missing it. The mission is to come here, get fueled up as your base camp so that you can go out there and make disciples. That's the mission of the church. To awaken hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ is how we specifically will carry out that mission here at St. Luke's. We are all a part of this mission. Every single generation takes part in it. So this mission that God has is to have his pursuit of the hearts of every generation. Then we remember that, that all of us, no matter the age, are engaged in this mission together. 
And then finally, there's this idea of a generational legacy. Mary sings in verse 54, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. See, God's plan is a, is a family plan. The end of this song ties it all the way back to God's promises to Abraham and his descendants. And we, through faith, are grafted into that family of Abraham. We are a part now of Israel. And this is an all-inclusive invitation to the exclusive path to the Father. Through it is Christ alone, through him, that we receive our life and our salvation. And this generational legacy sometimes can get caught up in something called a generation gap. And a generation gap is, is a difference in values and attitudes between one generation and another, especially between young people and their parents. These differences stem from older and younger people not understanding each other because of their differences in experience, in opinions, in habits, in behaviors. This set of differences in ideals, attitudes, and experiences that exist between an older and younger generation of people who are living at the same time. We see that sometimes in churches with different styles of worship and different songs and, and different ways of praising God. And so it's important that we bridge this gap. There's a, a lady named Kelly Wong who deals with generation gaps in businesses and, and she listed several really, really incredible concepts and ideas for help to bridge gaps within businesses and one of her tips was something that I think is important for us and something that I think that we do well here. She warns against guarding against egg, age segregation. She says, sometimes you'll find that your workers tend to clump together in, in little groups of their same age peers. It's just human nature. Conversations come more easily when you're with somebody of a similar age. You have a same frame of reference. However, employees can hang out with age mates while they're not at work. The fact is that your staff will be more innovative and more productive if you make sure that there's what she calls plenty of cross-pollination between the generations and bridge a gap that the generations will naturally form. Another person who has studied this, Donna Butts, has this to say, when generations don't mix, they're less likely to care and invest in each other. Isn't that interesting? When generations don't spend time together, they have less of an ability to understand one another, which makes sense. And as they understand, they develop a care and compassion for one another. I see many areas in ministry where we have cross-pollination with different age groups serving and working together here at St. Luke's. And I believe that the more and more that we do that, the more that that we all come together, the more we'll understand and have compassion for the needs of every generation. And therefore be bridging these gaps that we have to be able to better share the gospel of Christ with every single generation. This generational legacy idea made me spend some time thinking this past week of who my spiritual parents have been. 
And obviously for me, my mom and my dad, they were right in the first and the foremost. My mom really set the tone in our home. We had morning devotions every day. My dad would make a hot breakfast and, and we'd, we'd share uh, portals of prayer and, and that was the way that we would begin our morning every single day. My dad showed me by his example what it means to live out your faith in service to others, especially those who were underserved. There was a guy by the name of Bob Baker at my first congregation, and Bob was an incredible strategy thinker, a visionary kind of guy, and, and really moved to help me see my faith in the context of what faith can do to bring change, positive change, to other people's lives. And then there was a man named Craig, who in some of my darkest seasons of life helped me understand who I am as a son of God to put my value in my identity in Christ. I spoke with a few guys this past week about their spiritual parents, and, and one gentleman said that for him, his faith was fairly superficial feeling until he was in his 40s, but there were people throughout his life that were influencing him in faith without, without him even realizing it, just planting seeds of faith development. He said there was a principle that I loved to respect and I loved to make happy. And so I, I see the things that he said at the time that I wasn't listening, but they've planted and they've grown and they've matured. Another gentleman said that he just loved coming to church. There was a Sunday school teacher who, who poured into him. There was a, a pastor that he had during confirmation that, that he just hung on every word. He loved to hear the word of God preached. And you can't think about who has impacted you generationally in your faith without also thinking, who have you impacted? Right, this go and make disciples, who have you been discipling? Who are you coming alongside and lifting up and encouraging? Right, for those of you who have been blessed with children, God gave us the role of parents and the number one role that we all have as parents is to raise our children up in faith. Right to, to do this, but there's no guidebook for that. We have scripture and, and to teach scripture, but the skills that we have as parents to teach our young people faith are undeveloped. And so it's important to come alongside parents and lift up and encourage and equip parents. And, and that's one thing that I think we do well here also at St. Luke's is all of our faith milestones that we celebrate. That as they, as they grow through and matriculate through different age groups and generational uh, times in their lives, they celebrate moments of faith milestones like baptism or getting their first Bible, or confirmation, graduation. And, and at all of these steps along the way, moms and dads and sons and daughters come together and learn what this milestone means. And parents are trained and equipped to have these conversations with their young people. Now, this discipling other people sometimes can be a, a scary or intimidating thought for some people. There's this overwhelming fear that maybe you're just not quite cut out for that. Maybe, maybe you just quite don't know enough. Or maybe your life hasn't transformed enough for you to, to be leading somebody else. Chances are, there are people that you are impacting 
regardless of you knowing about it. And perhaps the best way to learn how to be mentor, to, to mentor someone else is to allow yourself to be mentored by someone and to learn from their, from their, I can't think of the word right now, experience, that's what they were, thank you. <laughs> it's good to have backup. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> example, that's what I was looking for, is another X word. To see their example of the mentors that are coaching you to coach them and coach others. And my encouragement to you would be this, especially if you think that you don't have what it takes, is that God has given you uniquely a voice. He has given you uniquely experiences. He has given you a message to share with someone else that no one else can share. To hold your tongue would be robbing the world of that gift that God has given. That you, regardless of your generation, have something important to share. Be intentional this week with finding somebody to share that with. Find somebody who is on the same road as you, just starting out. Share with them wisdom. Share with them encouragement. Affirm them. Give them guidance. Make disciples. A disciple is a student. A student needs a teacher. So to be a disciple maker is to teach. To focus on these strengths. To know and remember that God has this overwhelming love for each and every generation he has ever created. To know that each and every generation has a role to play in the great commission of God. And to know, to know that this generational legacy that has been passed on to us is for us to pass on to others. May the peace that passes all human understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.